Psalm 81 has three parts. The first part is the call to worship, very much like we start worship services each Sunday with a call to worship. We did it with Psalm 85 today. The first five verses or so of Psalm 81 is a call to worship. Guys, come into God's presence. Let's get ready to worship him. Let's get excited. But then starting in in verse 5, just the third line, it switches from the third person, somebody else calling us into God's presence, to God himself speaking. If you're reading the ESV or, or another English translation, um, I think this is a mistake that there are parentheses around, I relieved your shoulder of the burden in verse 6, as if that's where God starts speaking, and as if the previous verse is not. I think that's completely arbitrary. The, the switch is there in the middle of verse 5, from he made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt, then all of a sudden, I, I hear a language I had not known. Keep your finger there and go all the way back to the beginning of the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, right after Genesis. Here is, I think, what Psalm 81 is referring to. Some of you will remember this. Israel has been enslaved by the Egyptian empire for 400 years. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have been dead for a long time. It is implied that God has not been speaking, or at least the people have not been listening, that there hasn't been any active relationship between God and his people for many centuries. And at the end of chapter 2, and this really gets the book of Exodus moving, and it sets the pattern for how God regularly responds to his people throughout the rest of history, starting in verse 23, that last paragraph in Exodus 2, during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned out because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Going back to Psalm 81, I think that that's what this is referring to. I hear a language that I had not known, that I have not heard. That is, here is a people that have not cried out to me for centuries, and all of a sudden I hear this people crying out, and I'm not used to hearing their voice because they stopped crying out to me a long, long time ago. And here is the first thing about Psalm 81, and it's so important because the main theme of Psalm 81 and of this sermon is going to be the need for us to listen to God. But I want you to notice that before Psalm 81 tells us that we need to listen to God, the first thing it tells us is that if there is anything history makes clear, it is that God is a really good listener. In the very next verse, I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you when you cried out. The whole point is you cried out and God listened. The Exodus is a moment of God listening to people. The Exodus is a moment of people saying out pain, suffering, injustice, and God hearing and paying attention and responding. So when we are called to listen to God, we are not being asked to do something that God himself is not already doing in our relationship with him. God is the best listener in the history of planet Earth. God listens to his people when we call out to him, and that's the way it initiated, that the beginning of God's relationship with his people was not us being asked to listen to him. It was God listening to our cry for help. If you are a Christian, whether you grew up in the church or whether you became a Christian later on, the beginning of the Christian life is God listening to you. 
not you listening to God. Our listening to God is always secondary, and it's because when we cry out in our need for help, for mercy, for life, whatever it is, to be saved, to be rescued, that God listens and he responds, I suspect that one of the most obvious reasons so many of us are prayerless in the American church today is that we don't really believe that God is a good listener. We don't really believe that God hears, that he listens, and he responds. But Psalm 81 reminds us that even though Israel has failed to listen so often, the people of God so often have not heard God, that God's ears are always open to our cries. That's the first affirmation when, we call, when we're called into worship, that everything we remember about history when we gather together on Sundays as the church is, among other things, to remember that God has heard the cries of his people. God has heard the cries of the world, and he has responded time and time again. And so before we are called to listen, we are reminded that God listens. And if there's anything that's clear, that's obvious about God's listening, is that when God listens, things change. And so here's something I want to hold out to each of you, because it really is going to be the the main theme of the rest of the psalm. If we would slow down, stop, and begin to listen more intentionally, more faithfully, more regularly to God, the main claim Psalm 81 makes is that things would begin to change in our lives. Things would begin to change in our lives. Israel called out, God listened, and things changed for Israel. If we would now stop and begin to listen to God more than we usually do, Psalm 81 claims things would change. The problem is the rest of the psalm. The entire history of the people of God, whether Israel in the Old Testament, the church in the New Testament, and throughout church history, is that so often we fail to listen to God in a way that is consistent with how he listens to us. Walter Brueggemann, in his commentary on this psalm, says, the history of God's covenant with his people begins with an invitation to hear, but then the course of that history with Israel, with God, is Israel's perpetual refusal to hear. We are given a clue in Psalm 81 to the main problem with the people of God, and I really want you to reflect on this. Now, in the hours and days to come, we are given a clue in Psalm 81 to the main problem with the people of God. Israel listens to other voices. Israel listens to other voices more than they listen to God. If we fail to listen to God, it's not that we're not going to listen. It's that there are so many other distractions, so many other voices, so much noise. It's that we will listen to other sources that are not God, and we will be led astray. And so in Psalm 81, God says time and time again, the key to your flourishing, the key to what I want from you is that you would be a listening people. So what I want to do, this is a very simple sermon. Um, Whether it's in marriage counseling or in friendship or in family in your own life or in prayer and in spiritual disciplines, learning to be a good listener is unbelievably simple. It is not rocket science. It's just really hard. Because we would rather be doing a lot of other things with our time and energy than that. Learning to listen to a friend, to a parent, to a child, to a spouse. Learning to listen to God is not rocket science, but it requires a lot from us. It is not easy, even though it's simple. And so here is a quick survey of some of the lows and some of the highs in history of people listening 
or not listening to God's voice. I'm going to start with the low moments. We'll end with the good stuff. Tragic moments where the people of God failing to listen to God ends up being the the center, the essence of what goes wrong. At the very beginning, God creates Adam and Eve. Whether you think that's literal, whether you think it's a metaphor or parable, that's for another time. But the original human beings, before anything else goes wrong, God says, this is who I am. All these trees I've provided for you, a command, don't do that one. And we are told that Eve listened to the voice of the serpent rather than to the voice of her creator. And then Adam listened to the voice of his wife rather than to the voice of the creator. That they both listened to other voices rather than to God. Later on, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, later on in the book of Genesis, Abraham and Sarah are now the people through whom God is primarily working in the world. And they've been given a promise that they're going to have descendants, but they're both close to 100 years old. They are both doubting that God is going to give them descendants. And so Abraham and Sarah hatch this plan with Hagar, and it is very, very easy to miss. But in Genesis 18, and Abraham listened to the voice of his wife. Just like Adam to Eve. Now, that is not to excoriate Sarah and Eve over against Adam and Abraham. It's just to say that both parties in different ways are listening to somebody else other than God, and everything goes wrong. And so there's the whole Hagar and Ishmael sidetracking because they do not listen to God. For 40 years in the wilderness, after God, listen to the cries of these slaves in Exodus 2. And we'll see this at the end of the sermon in a few minutes. For 40 years in the wilderness, time and time again, they don't listen. They don't hear what God is saying. And so a trek that should take about 40 days takes 40 years to get from Egypt to get to Israel because they do not listen. Saul, the first king of Israel doesn't listen to God over and over and over again. And when Samuel the prophet finally comes and says, God is removing you as king, he says, does not God have more delight that you should listen rather than offer sacrifices, that you should obey rather than do all of this outward religiosity? That Saul's problem is that he does not listen to the Lord. The prophets over and over and over again come to kings and to those who are in power among the people of God and say, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, listen to the word of the Lord, but you would not. And they don't listen time and time again. One of the simplest ways to tell the dark side of church history for the last 2,000 years, and there's a lot of dark side to church history, is that whenever the church becomes a source of injustice, a source of hypocrisy, a source of violence, instead of a source of peace, and of life and of justice, you can always trace it back to refusing to listen to the most basic commands of Jesus. You have to be willing to just say no to the most basic things that Jesus has told his followers in order to do the kinds of things that Christians have often done. I could point out so many other passages, but every time someone in redemptive history does not listen to God, it becomes the seed of so much else going wrong. On the other hand, so many of the most hopeful, positive, life-giving moments in redemptive history are when people listen to God. In Genesis 12, we have just got done reading in Genesis 1-11 to that the entire world has gone astray from God, and now God calls Abraham and says, go to a land that you have not known, and Abraham listens. And everything starts over again, because Abraham listens. Moses, at the very beginning of Exodus, is saying over and over again, God, I'm not a good speaker. God, I don't know how to do this. But every time God shows up, Moses listens. And he hears, 
and the whole story turns around. One passage I would encourage you to think about in the days to come on this theme is at the very beginning of the David story in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 3 is not about David, but it's about the prophet who will be central for Saul and David later on is little Samuel is a little boy. And he doesn't yet know the Lord. He doesn't yet know how to discern the voice of the Lord. And he hears God speaking three times in 1 Samuel 3, but he doesn't know it's God. He just hears a voice, however that is, but he doesn't know it's God. But the thing that's significant is that even though he doesn't quite know how to do this yet, is Samuel says, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. If there is one prayer I encourage you to be praying in response to this sermon, it's that speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. Start your prayer times with that. Start your time every day saying, Lord, I'm your servant. I belong to you and my ears are open. Whatever you want to say, I'm not prejudging it. I'm not saying it can only be this. It can't be that. I'm saying, Lord, I am your servant. I belong to you. Speak. I am listening. And that becomes one of the great turning points. In Isaiah 6, God says, who will go for us? Whom will I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. Even though the people that Isaiah is being sent to are people who have ears but don't listen. And even though they have eyes and they do not see. There are so many others I can mention, but I'll mention one last one. Because for us who are Protestants, and we are a Protestant church, this is a Lutheran church, even though neighborhood church is not, not a Lutheran church. We get too nervous, I think, about being positive about Mary. And Mary is, I think, not quite what the Catholic Church makes her out to be. I'm not a Catholic. I am a Protestant. But we should celebrate Mary much more than we usually do. She is an unbelievably positive figure. And even at the very beginning of church history, by the second century, guys like Irenaeus are saying, if Jesus is the second Adam, Mary is the second Eve. The first Adam doesn't listen. The second Adam listens and obeys. The first Eve doesn't listen. The next Eve, the angel comes to her. Just think, here's Mary. She's a teenager. She has all these plans, all these desires, all these hopes for what her life will be. And the angel comes, the word of the Lord comes, intervenes, and this is nobody's idea of what you want your life to look like, what's about to happen to Mary. And yet Mary responds to the angel who brings the word of the Lord by saying, I am the servant of the Lord be it done unto me according to what you say. And redemptive history turns a corner. The second Eve who listens, just like the second Adam who listens, listening is always where the real moments. And so here's a really quick application point for all of us. The most decisive events of our life are not primarily about our agency, our activity, our accomplishments. The most decisive moments in our life are when we listen or we fail to listen. Those are the great turning points of each of our lives. If we listen or if we do not listen, so much turns on that. In our relationships with one another, in our relationship with God. And so quickly, before I come back to Psalm 81, many of these will be familiar to you, but I really want you to just be a bit overwhelmed and saturated by how important this theme is. Do you remember every time Jesus starts a parable or makes an announcement about the kingdom of God, he often starts by saying, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus says at the beginning of the parable of the sower in the gospel of Luke, be careful how you listen. How you listen is the dime on which everything else turns. The brother of Jesus, James, famously says, Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to listen, but slow to speak. 
slow to anger because the anger of human beings does not produce the righteousness that God wants. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is, I think, one of the places that moms and grandmoms throughout history have have realized and have told us there is a reason you have one mouth and two ears. There is a reason for that. Be quick to listen and slow to speak, not just to each other, but listen to the word that comes from the outside. It is a more significant word than any word that will ever come out of your mouth. Pay attention to what it is saying. We focused recently for a couple of weeks on wisdom and Lady Wisdom in Proverbs is constantly saying, listen to me, be attentive. The main difference between fools and the wise, the righteous and the wicked, at least one of them, is that one of those groups listens and the other group does not listen. That's one of the main differences. Ecclesiastes 5, a great passage whenever we come into a sanctuary like this to worship. Ecclesiastes 5, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, which is a bunch of words, bunch of words. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Do not be rash with your mouth. Do not let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are in earth. Therefore, let your words be few. When you draw near to the house of God, draw near to listen rather than to express yourself. Expressing yourself is not the primary need in the world. Listening to our creator is. In Psalm 81, if you go back there, each time in this threefold repetition, verse 8, Hear, O my people, why I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. Verse 11. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. Verse 13. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. The Hebrew word behind listen or hear is Shema. And many of you have heard this word because our Jewish friends often still pray the Shema prayer several times a day. And this is Deuteronomy 6. Jesus is approached multiple times during his ministry and asked, Jesus, there are hundreds of commands in the Old Testament. Are some of these more important to God than others? And Jesus said, the greatest command is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is one. Love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your soul. That hear, listen, O Israel, Shema, is the same verb here in Psalm 81. Listen. Here, This is the most important commandment. And over and over. Psalm 95, another call to worship. Another one to reflect on regularly. Psalm 95 exhorts us, also warns us. If today you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. If today you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart every time God spoke to him. Moses and others listened. In Ezekiel 3, a programmatic statement for the prophets. Son of man, talking to Ezekiel, go to the house of Israel, speak with my words to them, for you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many peoples of foreign speech and a hard language whose words you can't understand. Surely if I sent you to such a people, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, Ezekiel, because they are not willing to listen to me because all of the house of Israel has a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. 
And so this is not low EQ or low IQ that is the problem. It is hardness of heart. Um, last one, um, another story of women, which we sometimes I think don't emphasize enough, at least I don't. In the Gospel of Luke, there is a story of Jesus being in a house and Mary and Martha are there. And one of the sisters is being very busy doing stuff for Jesus. And the other sister is sitting at his feet, listening to what he says. And Jesus said, this is the one who understands what's going on. The one who is sitting at my feet and listening. She has chosen the better portion. It will not be taken away from her. And so this is a very, very simple sermon. I don't have a whole lot of, here are 18 things you need to do to become a good listener. But I do want to just say a couple of things just to make sure that we all hear this and we're all hopefully on the same page. And here's the two things I want to say as we end. How do we listen to God? And why do we listen to God? And here's the first one. And you see it in Psalm 81. It quotes the first commandment in the Ten Commandments. It reminds them of the Exodus. The main way we listen to God is through what he has spoken, is through his revelation, is through scripture. Psalm 119 is a great place to go to celebrating that we belong to a God who has made himself so clear. And so if you are wondering, huh, this seems important that we listen to God, where do I listen to God? Do Do I listen to my heart? Do I wait for a voice from the clouds? Is you open up the scriptures and you get to know the story and the commands of scripture. That scripture, the word of God, revelation, the story of Jesus is the main way. When on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is there and God says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Get to know the words of Jesus. Get to know the story of Jesus. Get to know the scriptures. And so I want to be careful here because many Christians, all godly, all all faithful, all desiring to listen to God, connect the dots here differently. But I want to say one thing really quick here. A lot of Christians, when it comes to listening to God, think about, I want to listen to God in prayer, and I want the Holy Spirit. I want to listen to the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal things to me. And, and let me say this really quick, and this, this has to be quick, but, but it is a nuanced one. Does God speak to us through prayer? Does God speak to us through his Spirit directly? And I want to say very quickly, yes and no. And here's the most decisive no. The no is more important than the yes. No. In the sense that nothing in addition to scripture and certainly nothing that contradicts scripture is given to us where the main thing you would need to know would be something subjective that comes to you through your sense of prayer or your sense of the spirit is doing it. I'm not saying that that God can't reveal things in a secondary way, communicate things in a secondary way. But if you are sitting there with the Bible closed and holding up your hand saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me or closing your eyes in prayer and being like, Lord, I'm just going to listen to you here for an hour and you were ignoring all the commands of scripture as you ignore your neighbor and as you live a life of injustice you are listening to the wrong source prayer and the holy spirit are primarily ways that we respond to god and in which god listens to us they are not the primary ways that god speaks to us prayer is over and over in scripture the moment when god is listening to us not primarily the moment you're supposed to listen for a voice that is apart from and in here. On the other hand, I do want to say yes. And here's where I want to say yes is the central problem why we don't listen is that we are hard of heart. That, that, we, that we don't want to listen. Not that we're too low IQ. Not that we're not gifted enough that we don't want to. And so prayer 
and the presence of the Holy Spirit indirectly can often become the way we can listen by preparing our hearts to hear what God has already spoken in Christ. If the Spirit inspired the Scriptures, the Spirit also illuminates our hearts to be willing to listen to what is in Scripture. And so, yes, we cannot be good listeners without prayer. We cannot be good listeners without the Holy Spirit, but because we need prayer and we need the Holy Spirit to be the kind of people who are willing and desirous to hear what he has spoken in history and in his son and in the scriptures, if you are looking for God to primarily or only speak to you as you close your eyes in prayer or as you lift your arms up and open yourself up to the Spirit, I would say two things. One is that you will, if you have any EQ at all, any self-awareness at all, you will always be gripped by a profound sense of uncertainty. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? Because you'll never know for sure the difference between your subjectivity and the voice of God. But even more so, and this is probably the one I worry about the most, people who have their Bibles closed way too much and they are asking God to speak to them directly in prayer and through the Spirit are often, in my experience, Christians who are foregrounding what should be backgrounded and backgrounding what should be foregrounding. Is they're asking God, should I take the D train or the B train today? And the main thing God wants from you is to be humble and to love your neighbor. He could care less whether you take the B train or the D train. And all of a sudden, you begin obsessing on secondary things that are arising out of your desires and asking God to speak to you there rather than being rerouted by what God has spoken in Christ. And so, yes, let's be people of prayer. Let's be people of the Spirit. But if we are, we will be people who listen to what God has spoken in Scripture. So how do we listen to God? We open up the scriptures. We hear them. We listen to them. We reflect on them. Another thing, and many of you will know this practice, but I think it's such a good one for us as Christians in our relationship with God. Marriage counselors use it. Um, Therapists use it. A lot of you know the discipline of active listening. Here are a couple of things that go into the practice of active listening. And I would encourage you to use these when you open up scripture. To use these when you come before God in prayer. Seeking to be open to what God says in scripture. Active listening is a couple of steps like this. Be attentive to what the other person is saying for its own sake. Don't start formulating your response or your objections as they're still speaking. Don't be daydreaming about something else. Be fully present and focus on what is this person saying Do I understand it? Ask open-ended questions. Withhold judgment. Be curious, not critical. Be open to surprise. Be open to learning something you don't already know. Be open to revision. Expect to learn something from this other person outside of you. Those are all great practices for all relationships, all friendships. But how much more so would that be helpful if we come before God? And and how many of us, when we come before God, whether we're conservative, whether we're liberal, whether we're this, whether we're that, and we come and we say, I already know that this is right and wrong, and so God is only allowed to speak within the realm of what what my convictions already are, is when we come to Scripture, we say, Speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to what you say, O Lord. Active listening. Request clarifications. When you don't understand for sure what the other person is saying, slow down. Say, hey, could you, could you say that again? I'm not, did you mean this? Do you mean that? It would be great if we slowed down when we're reading scripture and we ask questions. Does this, does this mean this? Does, that, does it mean that? Instead of glazed over eyes. Paraphrase what the other person says. Summarize it. Repeat it back to them. Here's what I heard you saying. Is this a good summary of what you mean? 
Imagine if we did that in our relationship with God. Show empathy for the concerns of others. Rather than primarily listening to others so that you can win an argument or so that you can evade something that they're just saying or so that you can get what you want, imagine if the primary concern was how can I enter into what is important to this other person? All of those are great skills in all human relationships. How much more so should we practice that as Christians in our relationship with God? To be curious, to be open-ended, all of that. Last thing, why do we listen to God? And this is the second half of the psalm, and it's in the title of the sermon. I'll just point out that there are two reasons Psalm 81 gives us to listen to God. The first is, this is my language, this is my phrase, or it's a phrase from today, but listening, according to Psalm 81, is God's love language. If my wife, Helen, tells me, Nick, this is important to me, and even if I'm like, why would that be important to you? That's not important to me. If I love her, that now has to become important to me. God has told us he desires that we would listen to him the way he listens to us. You cannot love God and not be a good listener to him. You cannot love God and be a good listener. So if you desire to love God, if you desire to honor him, you desire to please him, you must learn how to become a good listener. It is central to God's love language. And the second one, and as we go to the Lord's table in just a moment, we will connect it here, is that the end of the first section, verse 10, and in the end of the third section, verse 16, both end the same way. God speaks after listening to his people, but his people do not listen to him the way that he listens to us. And verse 10 ends with, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And in verse 12, oh, that my people, verse 13, sorry, oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies, turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him. Their fate would last forever. But for you, my people who listen to me, he would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. I encourage you to do this on your own later on. That final section, the images of wheat and honey, come from Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 is the Song of Moses, and it is the end of the 40 years in the wilderness. And Deuteronomy 32 does this. Have you ever done this? I'm sure you have in your life. A kind of what if. What if I had done this season of life differently? What if this friendship that ended or this work relationship that went sour? What if we had done that differently? Um, Kind of the what if you look backwards in Deuteronomy 32, God is speaking through Moses and saying for 40 years, this could have gone so differently. The reason this went wrong and the reason this went wrong and the reason that went wrong and the reason that the entire generation died in the wilderness before they entered promised land was all because they didn't listen over and over and over again. And it basically looks back on those 40 years and said it would have gone so differently if, people would have, if the people of God would have listened to me. And so here is what the end of Psalm 81 encourages you to do. And all of you are old enough already to do this on even things like if you ate more healthy, if you slept more regularly, if you prioritized exercise more, if you worked less and you rested a little more, just basic things. Imagine how many things that are currently not quite right in your life would be better? What if? What if I did exercise the way I should? What if I did actually get eight hours of sleep a night? And then when you're 35, you go to the doctor and they tell you about high cholesterol. What if the last 15 years you would act? It's a very basic exercise. Psalm 81 says so much goes wrong in our life because we do not listen to God. 
if we would but listen to God, he would feed us with the finest of the wheat, honey wheat, and he would fill our mouths. And so that line in verse 10, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. The idea is this, have you felt unhappy recently? Have you felt stressed out? Have you felt just really dissatisfied with your life? Have you been frustrated by this or this? Psalm 81 is saying the problem is that you are not opening your mouth wide enough for God to fill it. The problem is that you are listening to other voices. And so here is a challenge for all of us, including me. I encourage you, as we will have a few moments of, of silent reflection after the Lord's table to pray, I encourage you, whether it is the last six months or the last six years, can you identify things in your life that would very clearly be different if you would but listen to God in that area? And because you haven't, because I haven't in this area, therefore there have been heavy consequences that weigh on us over time. Psalm 81 encourages us to look backwards and say so much that we experience need not be that way if we would but listen to God. And so listening to God is the center of God's love language, but it is also the key to our flourishing. And so neighborhood church, let's be a people who listen to God. Let's pray.